Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. my understanding of that concept, because I actually have been reached out a couple of times about that clip. And I showed Matt, I checked with a CPA and I showed them that information and I went over there and Matt read the exchange. According to a CPA, that is not doable. You can't take, from what I understand, and again, this is not tax advice. I'm just going to regurgitate information that I told you should check with your tax professional before you get those disclosures get, get out those, of the way. Yeah, boy. Get, do any tax planning or take any tax advice. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Money Moves, where we cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance. Today is August 30th. I'm your host, Maddie A., my co-host, Mr. Breedwell. What up, what up, what up? Dude. I'm not going to lie. I'm ready for August to be over with. I hear you loud and clear. It's been a busy, rough month. It has been. It's been one of those those months that I know everybody goes through at certain stages and seasons of their life. If you haven't been following the podcast, (laughs) my grandfather uh, passed away this last month. My grandma was in ICU. I'm having to put my dog down today. Mm-hmm. which is just gut-wrenching to to me. He's been my my best bud, uh, a part of so many. Let's just say he was there with me at the beginning, beginning. Like I think I had to, um, I put him on my credit card because I did not have cash to buy him. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how long my dude has been with when, me. Where do you buy a dog with a, a credit card? A breeder. They, they, they take all forms of payment. I, man, I have never heard of that. That's a first for mm-hmm. me. And let's just say I got the most ROI out of that guy. Oh, yeah. He was the best friend, family dog. We were going through all kinds of photos last night. Um, cause we brought him home from the vet and you know, basically his, his last night with us. So we were just thinking about all the great memories we had with him. And, you know, my daughters were just loving and hugging all over him. And I mean, dude, he was, he was there when Marie and I just first started dating. 
Got married. Got had married, the had the kids, yeah. all the, you know, trips and adventures, Tahoe. I mean, just so many, I mean, dogs are just, man, they, they are the, best. the most unconditionally loving creatures that are out there. So loyal. So shout out to my man, bud. Um, and it's one of those things where, yeah, you know, when you're going through those challenges, it doesn't make it like, especially with all the personal development work, the positive mindset, the positive people that we have around us. There's no, there's no amount of words that just make it easier to go through those things. Mm -mm. But they definitely forge you into somebody stronger and wiser and more capable of navigating the next challenge because that's ultimately what life just it, is going to throw at you. Nobody is exempt from having challenges, whether it's financial, yep. marriage, you know, health, family, whatever it may be. Like we all go through it. Oh, that's man. that's why the strongest. I, you know, even you know, Matt and I are doing a lot of. You know, I talk to a lot of people, and they always go, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not doing as good as you and Matt." And I love that that's the persona that we give off, and we're doing great. Don't get us wrong, um, but we deal with our challenges. Um, Matt's shared a handful of what he's dealing with, and I know the gamut of everything that's mm-hmm. going on. And it's just rough. It's rough when you're going through stuff like that, and. Especially like you're saying, we we put that aside and when we mine is sharing information with y'all when we come in here and we really try to make sure that we can provide consistent information um with congruity along the way. We don't we're not chameleons, we're not this one week and this the next week. Um we try to make sure that we keep providing a consistent Amount of information and, and uh, just show from for a you place guys. Of service. Yeah, exactly. We want you to know us personally and from a business perspective, and know that we're going through the same stuff that y'all deal with. And every single day, we go through our same own family drama, work drama, life drama. Everything happens with us as well. I think transparency is probably one of the most important things that I look for in other people that I allow to speak into my life because I'm like. You ain't perfect. I know I know you have a day where your head's all fucked up. I know yeah. you've got a week where you and your wife are arguing. I know you've got a challenge where you made a bad money decision and you're stressed out about it, right? Like yep. and that's ultimately what we try and portray or not portray, share, right? Of like, hey, this this is a this is an ebbs and flows type of journey that I think all of us as human beings are on together. And so having that space where we get to share it with you guys gives me a lot more um, comfort as well, knowing that when I share these things and I get an outpouring of messages from, you know, all the listeners sharing love and and sharing some wisdom and sharing some of your experiences, we're all on this journey together. And that's the beauty of this show. So as we go into today's episode of Money Moves, be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you are new to the show, hit that thing. Hit that thing. Like it owes you some money. And if... (laughs) And if you enjoy the show, all we ask is that you take 60 seconds, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you haven't taken advantage of your free financial x-ray, a Mm. portfolio review for any of you who have an investment portfolio and you want Ryan and his amazing team to give a full comprehensive review on that, you can text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555 free of charge for all of our Millionaire Mindcast family. If you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, you can text the word deals to 844- 
347-1555. Also, don't forget to send in your questions to that same phone number. Each and every week, we get questions from you guys of all kinds of things that run the gamut. And we usually will pick one on the episode to dig into. And today, I got one for you, Mr. Breedwell. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm checking to make sure there's no questions from listeners that I didn't go over. No, we're good. So we had a shout out to my man, Keenan Fitzpatrick, uh, this last week. So Keenan, you had talked a little bit about um, life insurance and that there's obviously as many people on the internet do, they either share incorrect information knowingly or unknowingly sometimes. Um, And we love talking about life insurance and how this vehicle of life insurance, infinite banking, becoming your own bank, there are so many benefits to it. Outside of the death benefit, right? Yep, 100%. And he had reached out and uh, shared a A real video, a clip of another guy that um, talks a lot about life insurance. Mm -hmm. And basically here, I'll just, uh, I'll pay, I'll play the clip real quick. And we can, um, he said, didn't you guys just talk about this being wrong last week on Wealth Building Wednesday? So I'm going to go ahead and play the clip. I own the car. I cannot lease it. So I lease it on a lease agreement from Devin Bird to Onyx Investment Group. Onyx Investment Group makes a lease payment back to me, back into my policy. Eleven ninety three months. That comes off my tax solution. I get all the money back to the car. I can make the money grand in three years. So basically what, what the clip was saying, cause that was kind of poor quality audio, but this individual was saying that they are going to purchase a car out of their life insurance policy. I think what they said is that they, they purchased the car as the individual Lease it to their Lease business. It to their business. So there's they. I have a car. I'm going to lease it to my business, and my business is going to pay me a lease payment that I then put back into my policy. Is what I I heard. And from and, and that was going to be a tax write off deduction of taxable income, which I don't. I know I am not a CPA, so I don't give tax advice. Um, I don't know if that individual is or isn't, but if, if you are not a CPA, you definitely should not be giving tax advice. Um, from my understanding of that concept, cause I actually have been reached out a couple times about that clip. Um, and I showed Matt, I checked with a CPA and I showed them that information and I went over there and Matt read the exchange according to a cpa that is not doable mm-hmm. you you cannot oh there you go hold on there we go all right um you can't take from what i understand and again this is not tax advice i'm just going to regurgitate information that i was was to- <clears throat> excuse me told 
you should check with your tax professional before you um, get those disclosures get those, out of the way, yeah, big boy. Get uh, get do any tax uh, planning or take any tax advice. Um, I don't think you can take a lease payment from any entity because that's considered an income generation, I believe. Just like if you rent a house, you can lease a house mm-hmm. or lease a building. That's income, I believe. Matt, you would know you do that kind of stuff. Um, you lease your strip centers. The, do you have to report that as an income stream? <laughs> that, that goes right on to my tax return. Yeah, so that's my understanding as well. And just because you put it back into a life insurance policy, life insurance is a wonderful tool. It is. There's a great amount of like good with it. There's a lot of bad with it though as well. And I think that that's highlighting things about life insurance that are A, not true. And B, I think the person um, giving the information also just doesn't have enough uh, industry experience or experience as like a more than maybe just an insurance agent. And again, I don't know. I would just base it off of what's being regurgitated. Um, to know that's just not doable. Or in just so everybody knows as a listener, you can do anything. You you know until I, you get caught. Yeah, I was gonna say I could I can do some fancy, you know, until you get I audited. Go buy, I go buy an ice cream pop and I sell it to the kid down the street and then he goes to my house and he eats it in my house. So I ride it up. I mean, you can make up any any scheme or whatever you want and say it's a write-off. And when you get audited or if it gets asked about and you can't show tax code to prove that that's doable, you will pay for that. And that's what audits are for. Um, so the point of this whole ramble is, um, and I did reference uh, the, something like that last week, you really have to be careful who you get your information from and why, you know, if that was doable... How is that not more common knowledge? You have to ask yourself these kind of questions. Like, what? Why is it a? Why? Why do I have to go through this person to know such a fancy thing? Why isn't that just known? It's almost like you know, there's some conspiracy theories that you know. Okay, I can see a little bit of that, and there's some that are just like fucking whack wild. Like, oh yeah, they're spraying fucking poison into the air. Who's they? Do they not live on Earth or breathe? Like they would be poisoning themselves too. Like, do you not connect those like dots? So there's like some things that are like crazy like that. And I would put that into this uh, category. You can't, you just can't do that. Um, Life insurance does one thing and one thing well. There are certain policies that you can take loans out of that you have an opportunity to earn more than your loan cost. There's definitely policies you can put money in and take money out like 30 days later. But you have to like, you have to sacrifice a lot to do that. Mm-hmm. And I just choose not to not tell my clients about the sacrifices that they have to make. Hey, you're going to do this and then you have to pay this premium for 20 years. You can't change it. And the policy is going to bill itself against your premium till you're age 100 or you're age 65 or you're age 85. Oh, and the loan cost is six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10%. Um, and, you know, I've heard some people in the whole life world say, oh yeah, well, dividends are low right now, but interest rates are going back up. And so dividends will go back up. I don't know, y'all. Sounds like I don't think you understand how insurance works. That's a dividend is a portfolio yield. And it will take a while for the dividends to catch up because when interest rates rise and bonds 
are the primary driver of a portfolio. I mean, if you understand the teeter-totter on bonds, bonds lose value before they gain value back from the yield. So a lot of those insurance companies that will eventually raise interest rates, I agree with that. It'll still take years for that to happen. And if you don't think they're going to raise their loan costs with the dividends, you obviously don't remember pre-2019 when dividends were higher and loan costs were higher. It's just the way it is. So wrapping it all up on this. um, You're saying that... It's just not that concept. That, yeah, that specific I, strategy. I, I would never tell any of my clients to do that because I have... To in, buy a car. Yeah. To, to buy a depreciating asset yes. with a loan. Uh, you never use debt to buy a depreciating asset. I just... I don't know why you would do that. And people might say, oh, well, real estate's depreciating asset. Well, not really. You can depreciate it on a tax form, but we both know in reality it appreciates in cash flows. And I guess my, and again, I'm not a tax expert, but my understanding and experience with, let's say, theoretically, that type of strategy is mm-hmm. you, you can't shelter that income back into your life insurance policy that's going to show up on your schedule e i believe that that is correct because schedule e if i understand is for lease income or lease payments so yes i uh i do agree that that's what would happen i would need to check with my cpa because i'm not a cpa and i can't give tax advice yep um but i believe that is also what would happen and again why wouldn't everybody do that it would be as simple as setting up a, um, a, a second entity and just, and just doing that. Um, it's just not, it's not, not something I would advise my clients to do. If you have done that and you have a policy where you're doing that, you can call 844-447-1555 and I'll take you to church and save you. <laughs> um, I will bless you. If anybody is a listener that has a current insurance policy and it's not through me, I don't mean to sound facetious here, but I'll review it and I can probably improve it or, or um, save you. I've done it quite a bit. I do it all the time. Uh, I met somebody at a winery this weekend that had a policy through a different insurance carrier. I just did a review on it and we switched it yesterday. It's very simple as long as you're fully independent and you work in your client's best interest. I do. I have to. I always have. And what um, did you see and optimize from he their had, He had a variable uh, life insurance policy through a different insurance carrier that was also a B, uh, what's called a B++ rated carrier. Anytime a carrier is rated below A-, minus, I really wouldn't even consider using them. Um, most whole life insurance carriers are A or A plus or double A or triple A plus rated. Those are great uh, carriers. Anything A minus or above though is good. Uh, so low rated company, um, they had a policy. So when you have a variable uh, life insurance policy, it's almost like if you took a fixed insurance policy and combined it with like a brokerage account. And whenever you take something that already has fees and then something that has its own set of fees and you combine them, regulators require that those fees be intermingled and you have to pick up stuff like mortality and expense costs. You don't actually own uh, investments. You have like an annuities, for example, you have annuity units or investment units. So it's like a mutual fund to a degree. Um, My point is you get all these layers and it's like a cake and you just get these really thick base of fees, three, three and a half, four, four and a half percent. 
And that's just a lot. And what ends up happening is in up years, a lot of it's offset by the returns in the policies. But in the down years, I mean, you get freaking smacked, dude. And I've had so many people come with like uh, policies that they took out that are variable specifically. And they're, they're like, oh yeah, the insurance company said I had to raise my premium. Yeah, because you're not covering the mortality and expense charges that your policy performance was. All these things that you're not told when you buy the policy smack you in the face. And by the time they smack you in the face, the person that sold you the policy is either not going to care because they don't have a fiduciary obligation to you or they didn't tell you about it. Things have gone wrong with my clients with their policies as well too. But if I go back and I look at my notes or emails, I've disclosed all that stuff to them. I go over all the stuff. I went over when your policy, hey, this is the good, the bad, and the ugly. You have to pay at least this much into the policy. Mm-hmm. You have to do this. You're going to have to wait a little bit. Um, and if you understand that, it's, it's a great tool. It's when you get it and you think it's something that it's not. I mean, everybody's fucking seen the dude with a Dodge Stratus ripping that thing down the freeway like it's got a 12-cylinder twin turbo in it, right? I mean, that person forgets they got to stop the car potentially eventually and the brakes aren't going to stop that car. See, it's just people treating things like it's what it's not. Um, Understanding what you have is great. Uh, Thinking you have something that it's absolutely not and then finding that out is not. We moved this person's policy because when we did a side-by-side on not only the loan, uh, how the loans work, but with the distribution of the fund in the future, it was somewhere around $20,000 a year more that I would pay that person um, tax-free for the rest of their life. And that's also an important thing. Um, I've never met somebody that bought a whole life policy from an insurance person um, that was shown, hey, here's the cash value in the early, early years. And then when you decide to retire at 58, 60, 62, 45, 47, here's the loans that'll come out. Let me show them to you. They won't do it because it'll lapse the policy. And why won't they show you loan? If you think loans in the back end, if those don't work when the policy's seasoned and has a lot of cash value, you think they're going to work in the very beginning? No, they're just not telling you that because... Same in my world, same in their world. After 12 months, we don't have a chargeback or there's nothing that happens to us if you cancel your policy. We just don't get our renewal premium, which isn't very much anyway. So just when you know this kind of stuff, and I tell all my clients this stuff, Mm -hmm. you can be more empowered to make an informed decision on your investments, on your insurance, on your real estate who you're deciding to maybe syndicate with, who you're deciding as an accredited investor to go into high-risk investments where you could lose your ass. I tell people that. Hey, even in Matt's stuff, it could go to zero. That's why it's so important who you do it with. Somebody who's going to put their own money into the deal and is going to have integrity to make sure they're not just doing a deal to to scoop up some fees. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So um, again, that strategy I would not do. The, there's tons of opportunity to fix insurance. Just like if you have a, a real estate portfolio of not really well-performing real estate, you can 1031 exchange it. You can turn 35 exchange in our world. If you have an advisor or an investment account and you're getting smacked over the head by fees or losses and you didn't expect that, I'm taking losses too. Everybody is, but I set my clients up for that. If you've been listening to the show, you know I say I'm going to lose your money. It's definitely, excuse me, going to happen. 
Uh, but I have skin in the game. I make less money when you make less money. So I want you to make a lot of money when we can. So just all those things are very important with your person that you work with. And there's always a bull market somewhere. Just got to be willing to find it. Well, let's talk about the market. Absolutely. We had Papa Powell. Mm. Big news last week. Really what the markets were hinging on was the Federal Open Markets Committee and the Jackson Hole meeting with all the Billy Boys. So what did you guys take away from one what was said in Jackson Hole and then two on Friday at the Federal Open Markets Committee by Jerome Powell's comments and statements. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, This is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So... Like I was saying, I think the last podcast or two podcasts ago, I really was wanting a 75 basis point hike because I said, you know, if we can do it, why not do it? And it looked like we could. Um, The market started to quickly in the bond market and stock market started to quickly price in that that it may want, oh yeah, we think a 50 basis point hike will happen. You know, we don't need this 75 anymore because inflation moderated. It's high, but it's moderated. And I think some people thought that the... Fed was going to pivot a little bit. They were going to start tracing back on this aggressive, you know, rate hike policy stance. And ultimately the narrative from Powell this last week was we're going to continue on the path of tracing back down towards 2% inflation until we really see the data that we want. And we're okay with us experiencing some small economic, business, household pain today to avoid much larger and greater pain tomorrow. Correct. And the thing that people don't realize is that is the equivalent of your parents telling you, you got to finish your vegetables or all the meat on your plate until you get up. I mean, it's just, it has to happen. It's not, 
it's not zero interest rate environment like we've been in since 2008. We're going back to a neutral rate environment, which the Fed has said is somewhere between 2.4 and I think 3%. 2.75 is where I think we'll be. Um, that is good for the economy. It's not bad when they raise it. It may be in the short term, there may be some pain to deal with, but in the long term, it helps us avoid depressions for years upon years where there's economic downturn for for multiple, multiple years. People lose their jobs, their houses, they're living on the street. Those pictures that you see with people selling apples in New York, you know, stuff like that we're trying to avoid. Um, there's going to be economic pain. There's going to be downturn. There's going to be um, stuff that we have to deal with. But in the long term, it's better for everybody. I still am holding out that I think November will be a good pivot point. But I think they're going to continue to raise interest rates, like I said as well in prior podcasts, between second and uh, third quarter of next year. And then they may start to either ease off um, by not raising them and keeping them the same or start cutting rates. But they're going to raise interest rates at least for the next six to nine months. Six to nine months. Now, it still feels like confidence in the overall marketplace is high. I mean, obviously the markets were, what is, we're going on two weeks of red. This is, a, well, no, not two weeks. We're only on, a, this is the stock markets, one, two, three, four. This will be the fifth day red if, um, if we get it. We started mid last week and that's when we kind of broke back into the red and now we're starting to continue to do a sell-off. And I really think it's because people are starting to swallow the fact that interest rates are going high. So a lot of these companies that were thriving in a zero or net almost net zero interest rate environment are just not going to. Um, the companies that were just, hey, we're not making any money, but we're growing and we'll eventually be, you know, cash flow, well, free cash flow, and you know, we'll maybe, 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 maybe. I mean, I don't know if there would be an Uber like we know it today if it didn't start in the environment that it did and get at least mm-hmm. enough behind it um, to be as big as it is now. There's a lot of stuff that happened that might not have happened if, it, if the environment wasn't what it was. Um, people are going to start looking at companies price to earnings. I am like, I mean, NVIDIA is like at 1,400 times earnings. I mean, that thing is like that kind of stuff is going to have to come... To a to a repricing and, and and understanding of hey this is expensive as hell for what are we paying for we don't get it we get a 003 percent dividend I'm talking about Nvidia I believe that's the dividend yield the company said they're not going to have great sales what are we paying for here mm-hmm. we're paying a lot for this stock price that happened to a lot of companies um, that being said there's still opportunity to pick up those companies we've seen a huge run up in cannabis stock. Uh, over the past um, few weeks uh, with whispers of the Fed, Fed starting to ease off on that. So there's some um, speculative stocks and areas to make some money in. Um, we also have seen a run up in energy. And I'm starting to get more bullish, not only on just the commodity itself, as far as, um, hey, the pricing has gone down for so long, it may start to trend back up for a short period. I think energy producers are going to be a great place to be because they're going to have a lot of free cash flow from all the money they've made and they're going to be able to pay dividends to these uh, investors. So I've bought some energy stocks uh, here in the past couple of weeks. Uh, some names like 
Devon Energy, Chevron, ExxonMobil, um, things like that. And so moving forward, we just got to be more picky when we when we go to buy the stuff and understand that we may buy stuff and it may be choppy for a little bit, but it, it's it's what our account's going to be in 20 or 30 years when we're using them for income, not for when we're feeding them. When we're feeding them, as hard as it is to sound, this is the best time to be buying. You want the market to be choppy. A lot of people think it's fun to just buy while the market's going up. And it's, it is, and it's good to do so because you get to buy and see your account go up. But when you're buying and it's down and it goes down, all you're really waiting for is the turnaround. And every day that ticks on the clock, we're one day closer to that versus from when it started. And I'm still a believer that we've been in a technical recession since pretty much January, February. And so that would line up with about a nine to 12 month time period. And I think that we're going to get a huge red wave in November. That's why the media is ignoring midterm so much. Um, and that's going to be a problem for the Democrats, but it's going to be a good sign, I think, for consumer sentiment. I think it may be, provide a little pop and bounce in the market that we need for the end of the year. Yeah, it looks like uh, this week consumer confidence came out. Yep. And the overall consensus was? Much higher than expected. I believe we had um, a, a three-digit print when there was a double-digit expected. Um, Is there like a a false sense of security right now in terms of consumer confidence? I don't know. I just think that people are fine and they understand the cost of things. And so they're not as concerned as regulators are saying people are concerned. So I think that, again, it's regulators and politicians saying that people are feeling one thing and people saying like, yes, but we're still going to purchase in these areas because X, Y, Z. So I am still of the opinion that it, people are going to purchase. They're going to be able to buy less of what they're going to buy. But because their confidence is high, demand should stay fairly high, which although supply will still struggle to catch up for that, I'm not in the park that I'm like, hey, I want demand to slow and supply to then catch up because demand is slowing and nobody's buying at all. I just want things to be more expensive and people be okay to purchase them so we can help push the economy through mm -hmm. this rough time. Yeah. So now we've got some crypto turbulence that really has it's been mirrored here. what's been going on in the stock market, but at a much larger, I think, impact, I guess you could say, in yep. terms of Bitcoin dropping down below 20, which people couldn't fathom that 12 months ago. Yep. Um, we had what the overall market cap of Bitcoin at 1.2 trillion a year ago today. Uh, today it sits at 380 billion. Ethereum, 200 billion last year. Market cap as it currently sits, about 189 billion. A lot of people calling for Ethereum to flip Bitcoin as the. I wonder who was calling for that last year. I don't know. Somebody, somebody been saying that Bitcoin was shit for a while. Who wonder that is? The I think that Ethereum uh, will flip Bitcoin. Maybe not this year, um, but probably within the next five years at least. And and again, I think it's just because it has higher utility and has technology that can be leveraged in a fashion by institutions and individuals better than Bitcoin. 
said it before, say it again. Bitcoin is the worst cryptocurrency that exists. It simply was the first one that got popular. And it's the worst one that exists. It's it's sucks. Um, Forbes just came out with an article I shared with Matt that half the trading volume for Bitcoin over the past years has been reported is just fake. Because most of the people that use Bitcoin are fucking terrible people. So I don't know why people just won't admit that. It's almost like saying that heroin is great because it was legalized in Norway and not admitting that the people who use heroin are bad people generally. I mean, you're not going to be like, here are kids. Look at this clean, safe use station. Go use your hair. You know, you're not going to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's just, it's just a bad thing. And to try to act like it's something that it isn't, that's when you know you're in a cult. You know, there was those people that drank the freaking stupid stuff, wore the Nikes and put the purple shirts on and all died under purple sheets because they thought they were going to go on some spaceship. You can believe anything you want. It doesn't make it true. Um, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the show. You can do anything until it doesn't work. Um, so again, not, not a huge, not a fan at all of Bitcoin. Um, I think that there's other tokens and other cryptos that have and other blockchain technologies that are so far superior to Bitcoin. Once you, you know, take that your eye, you know, you pull your head out of your ass, essentially, if you're a Bitcoin boy, a, a fanboy, and you just look at the metrics, it is plain and simple. Go look at MicroStrategy and literally and how, I mean... They literally, their CEO sacrificed his career for Bitcoin. They were, I don't care what anybody says. I'll tell you what the talk is behind the scenes. He was removed as CEO because he made a fucking, they've lost billions of dollars on his Bitcoin moves. They don't care if he thinks what he thinks. Oh, this is going to be some life-changing thing. So Jack Dorsey, why do you think he's out of Twitter? And they moved him on to Square. Do you think that he just stepped down from Twitter? Really? Oh, interesting. I'm not a. I'm not biting on that one. And same, I know exactly what happened uh, with with uh, MicroStrategy. They removed forcibly behind closed doors, so it didn't affect their stock price. Um, they removed him as CEO because he's he's volatile, and all he's still doing is pursuing Bitcoin stuff. And I I wish him the best, but I know the worst is is yet to come. People like that are so blind to the facts. They just want something so bad that they'll just chase it indefinitely. And you know what? When you have an infinite amount of money, you can do a lot of crazy shit. Um, there's a recent new fun documentary on John McAfee. Uh, oh, I want to see that actually. I just finished watching it. Was it, it. good? He's insane. <laughs> yeah. They released years of this footage that they had. And it's it, like, it looks really good. It was really good, but John, he was insane. And it literally, the point, I mean, the guys that are making the film will tell you, he just had an unbelievable amount of money and convinced himself that he was right on everything. Yeah, but when you watch it and you see the stuff he did, he's like, it's like, all right. And the way he got himself caught up, so stupid. Idiot. Yeah, easiest thing he could have done. Just one little simple mistake when he was kind of messed up. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see that. It looks really, really good. It is. This date in history, August 30th, 1930, the GOAT, Warren Buffett, is born in Omaha, Nebraska. What a man. 
Probably you, drinking a Coca-Cola right now. Oh, you know he is sitting in his little chair with in the same house. Base Cadillac. With, with his same cute-ass old-ass wife. He had his McDonald's and a coffee this morning. Hey, I got so much respect for him. The fact that he has done what he's done and has really shown that he's not that heavily influenced by money to change who he is. No, he just uses money to do what he wants. Which he loves investing. Like the game of investing, the game of money to him is so fun. He's so passionate about it. He's so, you know, truly, truly, truly into playing the game at the highest level and has shown that he can do it at the highest level. And no matter how much money he has, it doesn't matter. He wants to keep playing the game. Those are the people that I am so intrigued by and love learning from. He's incredible. There, you would be, you would be mis. I I don't always um, agree with some of the moves he makes. Sure. I think that he could be a little more speculative, but that's just not his game. He's a dividend king, man. I mean, yeah. he's making billions a year off just dividends. I mean, that's insane. I don't know a ton about uh, Benjamin Graham. I mean, I picked up. I think I have the book actually over there. The what is it? The intelligent investor. Mm-hmm. Have you done a ton of research on him? Nope. I don't it, normally it, because do it's so old school. So old, yeah. I yeah, normally tried to. My, when I opened that book, dude, I was like, "Fuck that! This is dry." Oh my god! I'd rather watch paint dry because it was that techn- hard to technical analysis and quantitative analysis are still important, and it's how we kind of forecast long term. I think it's less important in the short term, and fundamental analysis becomes more in focus. You know, what's the company doing? Why? It's almost like when you go do debt equity financing, right? How yeah. they underwrite those deals versus when you go buy your house. Yeah. Like, what are the, who are you? Yeah. Let me meet you. Yeah. Do I like you? Um, does this deal look good? What other deals have you done that work? It's a little more loosey goosey. Same on that side. Um, I'm, oh God, I forgot I was where I was going with that. Sorry, my coffee hasn't kicked in quite yet. <laughs> um, but back to Warren Buffett. He's been so good at what he does because I, uh, one thing I was going to say is he stuck to his freaking plan the whole time. Yeah. Notice how he just stuck to his plan and the plan ended up working out. It hasn't been the best plan always. You know, he's made some bets that didn't pan out. You've made, I've made mm-hmm. bets that didn't pan out. But he said, oh, look, I'm going to learn from that. Keep pushing. And I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. Um that's that's something to take a step back and understand. I mean, if he does not the epitome of being rich isn't sexy, but I, I do the not sexy stuff and I'm rich. I mean, that is Warren Buffett to a, to a T. Yeah. I mean, he, he is the definition of aggressive patience in the sense of yeah. he was aggressive about what he believed in and the practice and the fundamentals and the disciplines that went into his strategy but he was patient enough to watch it all play out. Yep. And I love that about him. I saw a, a cool quote on Medium. Warren Buffett has made 99% of his money after the age of 52. Yeah. That's Think cool. of how many people, especially the young people out there nowadays that are so impatient and want that fast, get rich quick, sexy money, and they're in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 52, 99.7% of his money was made after. 
That's literally which is insane. insane. If you think about how much, but the the craziest part is, if you took the one percent, it's more money than a lot of people ever see in their lifetime. Oh, absolutely. That's also crazy. Just to give you a scale of how much money that was. Yeah, he made his first million at thirty. 32, 1.4, 33, 2.4, 34, 3.4, 35, 7 mil, 36, 8 Oh, get to the top of that tower. 80, I had to scroll up. That, that graph was so high. 80 billion? 86.6 billion. But that just shows you, right, the beauty of the compound effect, the eighth wonder of the world. I tell people all the time, stocks are backloaded. Real estate is front-loaded and medium and backloaded. <laughs> it's yeah, loaded we, all we, the way we around. Loaded. Stocks will always get you i was explaining this to somebody the other day and i came up with a good way to like say it. stocks are an annualized return asset not a cash flow asset they'll cash flow eventually but off annualized returns right mm-hmm. real estate is a consistent annualized return asset but it's not trying to get you annualized return it's trying to get you roi like how much cash flow am i getting for what i put into it and tax benefits that you yep. just don't get yeah from stocks if you have both of those running side by side, you mix in other things with it. But even if you just said those two, they're so complementary of each other. Right. Because one does something that the other one doesn't do and it does it better and best. And the other one does something that the other one doesn't do better and best. And when you have them both, your money's working for you in the best ways. So that, that to me is such a simple concept but it eludes so many people because they think it's so simple that it can't be that easy. Well, and this is why I think it's so critical to have a plan and to stick to the plan. Mm-hmm. And once you figure out getting past that first tier of how do I make money and then where do you invest the money based on your plan, if you just did those things at a foundational, baseline, boring-ass level mm-hmm. and started in your 20s, you're going to be worth 10, 20, 30, 50, depending on what level you're doing it at. No problem. Legitimately, if, because that compound effect will continue to work in your favor. Yep. If you can do that and find something that you're truly passionate about that allows you to continue to execute on that plan while you go out and bring value, service, product, to whatever space of the world you want to play in, whatever your sandbox is, you can not only trust in that plan to unlock that sexy financial freedom for you 10, 15, 20 years down the road, but you can have an amazing time doing it by being in a space that you're extremely passionate about. I think people go and chase the money when really they don't enjoy what they're doing or how they're doing it. I think that that they do that as well with the intention of doing it for a short period of time and getting really, really, really wealthy. Yeah. And I, um, and then you get lost after that. What are you going to do after that? Again, that's a, that's, I love podcasts and I love social media, but a lot of the negative things that they was provide is a false sense of a, how fast things happen and b how easy it is. And it doesn't happen fast and it's not easy. 
Well, and I saw this the other day of why most Americans are broke. And I thought there were many good points on this. It was one, they spend more than they have. Yeah, live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, we we have cr- created this um, identity and this vortex of consumerism in America, yep. which has good and bad, but most people don't have the financial disciplines or IQ to understand how to play the money game and win it one short-term, mid-term, and long-term. And most of that comes back to spending. Two, they have children they can't afford. I thought about, man... And too many of them. My kids, I love my girls so much. I call them my favorite little soul suckers because they will suck the life out of you. But they are the greatest thing in the world. But if you don't have financial capacity to serve these little kids, they are expensive, man. Well, yeah. And how many people have kids or way more kids than they should and they're really not on financial ground and responsible enough to do what's necessary to serve those kids and set them up for success. They choose not to save. So not only are they spending more, but they're not saving anything. And then they place their wants above their needs. Yep. Consumerism. They fall for advertisements, for marketing, for bad vehicles of where to put your money because they don't know how to leverage or to ultimately take advantage of what they're putting their money into. Lack of education. And then they care too much about clout. They care too much about what other people think. Yeah, I I always and like dream. a mixture of some of those, all of those. But like you said, you the said last it, one is almost the worst. It is the worst, and, and social media is really what has created this new age world of what do I look like and what do others think of me, and therefore that is the currency that means more to them than the financial currency that actually gives them true stability, confidence, freedom. And they're playing the game backwards. And and at the root of all of that, like what you said for me was a very specific keyword, lack of education. Yep. Financial literacy. Yep. Which is why we do this show, which is why you should subscribe and leave a five-star review. 100%. So I think, you know, with that being said, there's going to be some great opportunities that one, we're already seeing come out of COVID and the pandemic and and what happened. But I think we're really going to start to see what those opportunities really are looking like and how juicy they might be in the beginning of 2023. Specifically on real estate, we're seeing a lot of things slow down. There's not going to be a crash, but based on a lot of the data that we're seeing, pending home sales are their lowest since 2020, which doesn't say a lot. The Case-Shiller uh, index just came out this last today. Well, today. Yeah, sorry, Monday. I was going to say it's Tuesday. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price uh, Index covering all nine U.S. Census divisions in the U.S. reported an 18% annual gain in June, down from 19.9% in the previous month. I don't pay a lot of attention to that just because one, it's very laggy and especially in a massive shift that we've seen over the last two months in July and August since the uh, rate hikes have happened and inventory has increased to give you an update there. Last week, inventory was up compared to two years ago. Uh, It was down 7.1% today, 6.2%. So it's slowing a little bit. 
It's just becoming a friendlier environment to buy real estate. I think we're just in this normalization of what's going on. COVID made people forget a lot of things. I mean, shit, I barely remember 2020. Like, I'm not kidding you. I can't remember a lot of it. I don't know why, probably because nothing happened. But um, (laughs) it literally was normal for housing prices to be normal. They don't go up by 100%. This is why you have to truly... They just don't look at data yeah. to tell the truth data instead of decisions. allow your emotions to drive mm-hmm. what you think is truth because it's so almost all the psychology wrong. of people has been drastically warped over the last two years. Agreed. And I think if you want to be able to capitalize and take advantage of what is coming, you have to accept what was is not what is nor potentially what it will be going forward. So that's where you have to go back to the data and you have to go back to your fundamentals. And you have to look at what your plan is and say from a macro and a micro perspective, where am I? Where do I want to go? When do I want to be there by? And based on what the market is now giving me, the data... What do I need to do in terms of retooling my strategy and make sure that my mindset and make sure that my plan are congruent and aligned with taking the necessary steps to get there? And if you don't do that, I don't want to see anybody that I know say in five or 10 years, oh man, I wish I would have done X, Y, and Z different in 2023. They're going to be here. Because guess who said that? Right now in 2015 said, oh, I wish I would have bought more properties in 2011 and 12 and 13. Probably, I did. Probably our cousin. <laughs> I did. I wish looking back, I would have done a lot of things differently to take advantage of what the market was giving me and what the fundamental plan told me I should have been doing. And yet I was looking at the emotions of what- It was hard. It was hard. So I think with what's going on right now, there's a real big opportunity that's going to present itself for so many people. And they're already starting to present themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do what we just talked about, you're going to be a part of that woulda, shoulda, coulda club in five or 10 years, which is not a club that you want to be a part of. 100%. Nor do you need to be a part of. Exactly. It would be by choice. People are not wealthy by choice, as hard as that is to accept, especially in America. Don't get me wrong. There's opportunity for people. I had a great, I call it a handout, you know, by my, by growing up around uh, my father and have being able to take over, you know, for him and his company. So I'm not here to say I don't have opportunity, but, but I know so many people that are way wealthier than me and they had way less than I had. They just had to drive. And not one thing I won't ever have that they have is a drive like that hard because I didn't have to. I'm fine to admit that everybody has things that they could improve on. And I try to improve on that stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, there's so much opportunity to to do the hard thing and fail so you can eventually succeed. And just everybody's afraid to fail, especially nowadays, like I said, with social media. Nobody wants to look bad. No, it's because there's a facade that... Successful people only are successful always. And all I the try, time. Yeah, all the time. And I try to tell people, man, that's not true. People just only rep their wins. I don't know how to explain that. I don't necessarily go on and like brag about when I lose, nor do I go on and brag about when I win. I shouldn't. It should just be expected that I know I'm going to lose and I know I'm going to win. And I want to win more than I lose, period. Yep. That means I'm successful. 
Um, baseball is the only sport. I think you can be less successful than successful and make it to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's <laughs> this crazy. Is true. But anyway, um, there's lots of, there, like Matt was saying, there's so much opportunity, I think, still coming in real estate. Things are hitting, but I think it's still going to even get better. And in the stock market, I, it, right now and tomorrow and last week and moving forward consistently is the best time to invest. Because if you're not doing it, or if you're not doing it with, some, with somebody like me and my team who does it right, you're going to be leaving so much money on the table. It's in for both sides. You'll turn into Matt 2.0. I wish I would have done XYZ. And you'll turn into what a lot of people end up being, which is where you buy the high of the market. You get a little taste of what success is like. And then you lose all your money and you blame it on the stock market. Mm-hmm. So 30-year mortgage rates are pushing up around 6% again. So keeping an eye on that. We got the pace of rent increases continuing to slow. So overall, again, nothing too alarming, just a settling of what was an unbelievably insane real estate market that just couldn't continue on based on all of the things that were breaking the dam, that were leaning up against the dam. And I think they just had to start letting the water out instead of allowing there to be cracks in the foundation of what this real estate market is. And it's not going to fall out. It's just not going to fall out, but there are going to be some great opportunistic buys for certain products and certain asset classes in real estate that I'm fired up about. So with that being said, if you guys enjoy the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Send in your questions to 844-447-1555. We'll pick one question each and every week, give you a shout out. This upcoming week, really the most important things that are coming out report-wise is non-farm and private payrolls and the unemployment rate. Any predictions there? Um, I honestly, this non-farm and private payroll like, expectations are pretty low. So I wouldn't be surprised if we met them or beat them. Um, that's a hard metric to track. So I'm hoping we have a good beat, like on the last report. Um, I think that if we do, that could be an, a little bit of a catalyst to help rebound some of the losses for the week. Um, we'll have to see how the market ends today. We're down about 1% almost on the S&P. So we'll see. It's going to be a choppy time. But again, whenever the market's red, that should be your green light to invest. Until next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and 
you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. 